Good morning, everyone. This is a great Sunday for me and for you because I'm not preaching. So everybody can say amen. Amen. But the good news is, is that Mark Richards is going to be sharing the word with us. And uh, Mark is uh, uh, heading up uh, our youth ministry. And I wanted him to come and share with you so that you could hear his heart that uh, you've all got your uh, cards that you'll rate them on one to ten. Right. And you'll hand those in after the message. Depending on what type of result we get, Mark, we'll, we'll let you know uh, what your future looks like here. Uh, but uh, we're, uh, we're happy to welcome Mark uh, and his family, uh, first of all, from PEI, and they moved here last fall. And uh, Mark was church planting out there and uh, for eight years, ten years. Okay, there for 10, church planting. So as soon as they started church planting, they left. And uh, that happens to a lot of people. No. Anyways, uh, we're so glad to have met uh, Mark, Heidi, and uh, their five children. And uh, Mark, why don't you come and share the word with us this morning? And uh, let's open our hearts to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit so that we can hear what the Spirit would say. So welcome, Mark. Great to have you this morning. Thanks, Dale, for never making it awkward. <laughs> you know, he came to our small group on, the, on uh, what was it, Wednesday? And uh, he, his prayer at the end was that there would still be a church next week. <laughs> nice. That builds confidence. <laughs> so I know he's been praying, at least. So um, let's just start off that way, shall we? And we'll just give ourselves over to the mercy of God here this morning. Father, we just give you so much uh, thanks and praise um, just to be able to come into uh, this place, to have our hearts and our minds uh, focused upon you, and uh, just to lay ourselves before you this morning uh, to worship and adore you, and also just to receive a word from you. Um, Father, we don't want to go anywhere without you, so fill us with your spirit this morning. Lead us into your word, into your truth, and help us to just understand a bit more of that height and depth uh, of that love that you have for us. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, um, yeah, we're going to do it old school. So if you don't have a Bible, we've got a couple, but if you really need one, stick up your hand. And uh, so Nehemiah is going to hand these out. It's just your hand, stick your hand way up in the air there so Nehemiah can see you. That's great. If um, we run out of Bibles and you've got a smartphone, little Bible gateway is all good. Okay, um, I always like to have a Bible in front of me. It's nothing like, not that I have anything against the screen. Uh, it's just uh, I didn't know how it was all going to work, and it's always good to have something in front of you to kind of be on the same page. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, the last time I had a job to do up here, I was wearing my afro, and it was Christmas. And uh, it's, a, it's a recently uh, newly discovered Christmas tradition, I'm thinking. We're going to just continue the, you know, the Afro Christmas. <laughs> Everything's better with an Afro, by the way. <laughs> Everybody's so happy around you. They're always smiling when you're wearing one. Um, I'm surprised I'm not wearing one now. So, 
uh, no, it's an absolute privilege to be here uh, and to be serving you. Um, and it's a bit of a surprise, too, because as uh, Pastor just said, uh, we just got here in the fall from Prince Edward Island. And uh, to be all honest, it was this time last year that the Lord started really stirring on our hearts to make a move. And uh, at first, he wasn't really stirring on mine. It was more of uh, my pastor in Calgary, Pastor Quinn, who was trying to stir on my heart to move out west. Uh, but at the same time, the Lord was doing a work, and, um, and my wife was trying to do a work on me, too. So she wanted to move back out here. We've got family. Uh, I'm from Calgary. My wife is from northern BC in Terrace, so she's always really wanted to be back closer to home. Um, but yeah, surprised that I'm actually here right now doing this youth ministry. We had no plans whatsoever uh, to do this. We just really felt called eventually to come to Kelowna. Uh, which is strange because when you're church planting, you don't really want to up and move, and that was never my heart to kind of abandon the church planting. Uh, but the Lord moved on the hearts of everybody in the congregation to actually move away. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. They, like, moved out of the country. They're moving out to different parts in the country. They're moving to different cities, uh, going to school. Um, and this is not a bad thing, but one of the guys I was working with for about three years was working on his marriage, and they were apart for a while, and then, then they were getting back together, so he was leaving too. So everybody decided to leave all of a sudden, and we thought we'd just join them. <laughs> it was really strange. It was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. So, because <laughs> basically we all left around the same month too. It was around, uh, yeah, what, what month was it? July? Somewhere in the summer, early summer. Everything kind of came apart, and, uh, but it was good because I knew the Lord had moved them, and it wasn't my fault. <laughs> maybe it was, maybe it was. We'll, we'll know in heaven one day. <laughs> um, yeah, so it is an absolute pleasure. Uh, you know, Calgary was definitely where uh, <laughs> Pastor Quinn was calling me to be, but I, I just, I was a little bit afraid of freezing to death in Calgary, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> but uh, we really felt Kelowna was the place to be, and I don't know why, and we're just starting to figure this out now. Our heart is to serve, and that's what we really want to do. So that's a little bit of background. Um, if you turn in your Bibles today, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians for the most part. And um, if things are a little bit different today, it's Dale's fault. <laughs> okay, I would have much rather continue in Ecclesiastes, I promised, I I would. It's much easier. Calvary style is so much easier if you're a pastor because you know what you're going to teach on every single week. Uh, so he just said, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to speak from the heart. I'm like, oh my goodness, man, you're doing this to me. I'm just, I feel like a fish out of water. <laughs> That's the hardest part of our job sometimes is to just find the book that we're supposed to preach in, right? That's the, one of the hardest parts. Once you're on the book, it's like a train on the rails, man. We just keep chugging until it's done, no matter how long it takes. <laughs> But to get there takes some prayer, right? So he was praying, everybody was praying, and I really do appreciate that. So the word I felt that the Lord was laying on me came at about, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning on Thursday, and then from there just kind of developing what was, what was there. So I'm going to share that with you today. It's out of Ephesians chapter 4, and it's going to be from verses 1 to 16. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly read through this passage and, and then I'm going to give you a little bit of background on Ephesians, touch on a couple things that's uh, in that letter, uh, just to kind of give some context to the heart, I think, that's behind this letter. And then we'll walk through this passage. So, why don't we start? 
I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things in him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, that's a pretty large passage of Scripture, and by no means are we going to go in detail because we'd be here for five years, okay? <laughs> so we're going to go over it fairly quickly, but like I said, I want to just kind of touch base on what this book of Ephesians is all about, okay? So, first of all, Ephesians is a Philippians. Uh, we know this even from the beginning of our verse right here. Paul calls himself a prisoner, as he does in other places, and such that he's in chains. But he never asks for pity. Never once does he ask for anybody to feel sorry for him. In fact, he counted it as a pleasure um, to be in such a place because of Christ. Uh, his heart really through this book is, uh, is just basically an encouragement to keep going in the faith. It's for the church. It's his kind of treatise on grace, if, if you will. Uh, and grace, being a common word in the epistle, is mentioned 13 times throughout. Love is mentioned 15 times. So you're kind of starting to pick up a bit of a theme here for this book. Another reoccurring theme is the church. So the imagery that you find quite a bit in Ephesians is that of a body, a building, or a temple, and a bride. So in short, if you can deduce that the word to the Ephesians is that the church is loved, that they are blessed, and that they're in this together. And I think if you get nothing out from else out from what I say today, if everything else is just white noise, you're loved, you're blessed, and we're all in this together. Amen? All right, so let's go into it just a little bit. In terms of what else you can expect in the book of uh, Ephesians, and the reason I'm doing this is because in our first verse, there's a therefore. So if there's a therefore, you always have to read what happened before to see what the, why the therefore is therefore, yeah? Hermeneutical principle. <laughs> so Ephesians chapter 2, if you keep your finger in 4 and just kind of slide back to 2, we're going to read one of the most important and famous passages in the Bible, I think, at least in the New Testament. And it's this, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which he once walked according to the course of this world. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. 
So just to get a little bit of gospel context here, you know, the Lord and Paul always want you to make sure that you understand the truth. And the truth is, before there's good news, there's the bad news. And maybe you're not aware, but according to the Word of God, before we come to Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And not only that, we were running the, the same kind of course as everybody else. And later on, we, we, we understand that there's an enemy at work in the world, you know, that says it's okay to do whatever your heart impulses are, whatever your flesh wants. So we really have no concept of right or wrong. In fact, we're completely dead to God. And what Paul is writing out here is that Christ is the one who's made you alive. So if you believe in him, he's made you alive. And not only that, it's according to his rich mercy and his great love. And love is going to be an important concept to understand today. Another famous part of this uh, chapter is just a few verses down. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For it is workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're made right with God, not according to our own righteousness. You can never do anything to please God in terms of a work. You can never give enough. You can never be good enough. Your salvation is a gift. If it's not a gift, it's works. So it's a gift because of God's great love and rich mercy towards you in Christ Jesus. So we're saved by grace through faith. So, I'm using notes, and I hardly ever use notes. I usually just have little kind of marks on my Bible, but it's a bit different today. <laughs> the next verse I want you to kind of uh, look at is um, in chapter 3, verse 18. But let me just kind of comment quickly on the last one we read. It also said in there that where is workmanship. And that's a really cool word, because in Greek it's, it means poema, right? So it sounds like poem. So what you really are are his works of art, his masterpiece. And what God wants to do is to put you on display for all the world to see your life that's been changed by the working of his great love. You might not look into a mirror and say, this is a masterpiece. I mean, I do that sometimes when my wife's in the same room as mine, and she just laughs. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. And you know what? We often might not see ourselves as a masterpiece, but when you come to Jesus Christ, that's what he makes you, and that's how he sees you. That's how God sees you. We often need to be reminded of that. You know, that God is the one at work, and you are much more valuable than you'll ever know. And, and that's true. It takes a lot to understand how deep that love is for you. In fact, it takes revelation to understand how much God loves you. So, chapter 3, verse 18. Paul has a certain kind of trick. <laughs> no, not really a trick. But something to give you so that you can comprehend a bit more. And it's prayer. And he's praying this for the people of Ephesus. I pray this for myself. I pray this for you. And I pray you pray this for me and for everybody around. It's this, that you might comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and depth, and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, we need to be brought into this understanding that God loves you so much. And 
we kind of go from faith to faith. We grow in our faith. But one thing we have to grow also at the same time is our understanding of how much God loves us. And you know what? It's something that God actually wants to share with you. He touches us all the time, especially when we go and we fall and we sin, and he comes alongside, and he's got this really cool way of convicting us but showing us at the same time that he loves us, doesn't he? His love is profound, and it's so good, and it's so perfect, but it's so huge. And one of the things I think that we're going to be learning when we get into glory, if there is such a thing as a day, is day by day, learn more about this great love of God because it's inexhaustible and it's eternal. Why is this so important? Because when you understand this grace and this love that God has for you, as Pastor Chuck Smith once wrote, it changes everything. Grace changes absolutely everything. An understanding of the goodness of God is what leads us to repentance. And it's because of this grace that we are so motivated not only to continue in him, walking and living with Jesus and offering our lives as a living sacrifice, but we're also willing to be, to passionately love others and we become passionate to love those who are lost as well. You know, there's no doubt that the Lord is doing something really cool here at Calvary Chapel Kelowna, and I'm really happy to be a part of it. Um, been traveling for, it seems like, the last 13, 14 years, trying to find a church home in a way, and eventually ended up planting one in PEI. But I've seen a lot of different churches and a lot of different movements. And I'm not going to say that Calvary Chapel is better than everywhere else. I'll let Dale tell you that. <laughs> right? <laughs> but it is sweet to be in the midst of God moving. And how do I know that's happening? Well, love is definitely a fruit of that. And people who are serving willingly, like out of the abundance of their heart, is another sign that that's happening. And a desire to even be holy as he is holy is another big thing, like Donna was saying this morning. The Lord wants us to be holy as he is holy. The One of the keys to this is understanding just how much his love is there for you. It kind of all starts that way. Because everything we do is actually in response to the love that God has shown, isn't it? We don't do anything to earn God's love. It's because of God's love that we do everything, right? And it's because of God's love for you that he did everything for you. So let's get to our actual passage here, and we're going to walk through this now that we're half over. <laughs> it was going to be a little bit different today, but it wasn't going to be with regards to time frame, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> I can go along. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Let's get into this a little bit. And with this encouragement that I really feel the Lord put in my heart for you guys. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love. Let's see here. Okay. <laughs> Again, the notes thing is tripping me up. Um, so really, spiritual maturity is not necessarily marked by our conformity to biblical law. Okay? Our uprightness, the, our righteousness. But from what I understand through this verse, too, that spiritual maturity is also marked by a meekness and a humility and a deep sense of gratitude for the mercy and the grace that God has shown you in the face of all the times you've broken his law. So what I mean by it is this, is there's a lot of, 
There's a lot of scriptures out there that talk about how you respond to the grace that you were given and how respond is critical, and that is to give grace back. So God is always working in us patience because he's been patient, right? And I'm not perfect in this whatsoever, so that just means that I have to have more patience. I need more patience from you. And when you show me patience and you suffer long with me, it encourages me to then be the same. It actually convicts me and it helps me grow into that maturity like Christ, right? So he's calling us to be humble. He's calling us to be, again, aware of the debt that was paid for us so that we would gladly share that same kindness with other people, right? We're to share that kindness and that patience wherever we go, in our marriages, in our parenting, which is really hard sometimes. Right, kids? (laughs) They're quiet. (laughs) In our work, at the grocery store, at the parking lot in the grocery store. I hate Costco. <laughs> Sometimes, was one time I went to Florida, we actually seen a fight break out in the parking lot over a parking space. It was great. We just stood there and watched them as they were duking it out almost. <laughs> we're like, this is great. This is like what they do in Florida. It's entertaining, isn't it? We should have a video camera. <laughs> uh, on Facebook and social media, again, it's so important to remember patience. Everywhere that you are, God wants to show the world his masterpiece and his work of grace in your life. And I know it's hard, and I know we all mess up, and that's the point. We need grace, but let's not forget the grace that's been shown to us. Verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as we are called in the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, or of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. So if I'm going to just kind of summarize that portion of scripture, I think it's this, that we're all in this together. I'm nobody special. I have the same God as you. I'm filled with the same spirit as you, called into the same hope as you. I have the same Lord as you, baptized with the same baptism as you, and I share in the same affections from the Father as you. I don't have box seats in heaven. Dale might, but I don't. <laughs> We're not, I'm not getting there first class and all you guys are riding coach. We're all in this together. I just simply have a certain gifting that allows me to serve in a particular kind of way. And that's it. And each one has been given certain gifts. That's our next verse, verse 7. Each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Let me just talk a little bit about giftings. Because, because, (laughs) this happens to me when I do my vlogging, but I usually edit all that out. Sometimes I include it in because it's funny, but sometimes it just doesn't work. Um... Yeah, we're given gifts. The Lord has given us all numerous gifts. And if there's one thing right now that I feel I need to say, it's that you need to know what gifts God has given you. Pray about it, but use them. And it's so important to use them because the worst thing that we could ever do with the gift, if we've ever known anything about any kind of thing that Jesus has said, is that we're not to bury it in the sand. We're to use it, Right? And if God's going to be doing some really incredible things in our church, guess what? We're all going to have to just kind of take inventory and stock of our gifts and bring them before the Lord and say, how can you use me? Each one of us has been given grace according to the measure of Christ's gifts. If we look to 1 Corinthians 12, 4, a little cross-reference, there's a couple of them here. 
You don't have to turn there, but I'll just read it for you. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is for the profit of all. In context where this has come, it's spiritual gifts. So yeah, it's prophecy, it's healings, it's working of miracles, it's all that kind of stuff which we believe in in Calvary Chapel because we believe that God uses all these things to benefit the body. These gifts aren't given for self-glorification or self-adornment. They're, give to, they're given to be given back. There's only one gift that really is for self and self-encouragement, and that's tongues, and nobody can understand what it is anyway, so you're better off just keeping it to yourself, unless you get an interpreter, which is rarely ever happened to me. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, anyway, that's, a, that's for a different sermon, okay. But gifts, God's given you gifts, and he's given them to you to encourage the body and to build the body up. What we do see in this verse also is a diversity of gifts, but there's also a diversity of ministries and a diversity of activities. And you just have to walk through this door and experience one morning here and you begin to understand that. There's people who are cooking some amazing stuff that's laid out for you, or baking cookies and brownies and, you know, preparing coffee. You know, that's a gift. That's a ministry. I am much more built up now because I had that delicious little square <laughs> than I was when I first came in. It was so good. It's encouraging to have fellowship around the table. People set those up. The chairs that you're sitting in, they set those up. These are all the things that God is doing in the hearts of his people to show you that he loves you. So you're encouraged. In Romans 12, 3 to 8, we see this. For I say that the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than not to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same functions, so we, being one, being many, are one body in Christ. An individual body, and, sorry, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So there you go. The Lord gives you liberty to use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in portion to our faith. Our ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, and he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I love to teach, and it's not because I love to be in front of everybody. Sometimes I'd rather chew off my left arm. <laughs> but I have this desire to just share the things that God has shared with me. So teaching is kind of the area that I go to. And I love to take full advantage of the opportunities and doors that God sets before me. And I will take advantage of them, and it drives people nuts sometimes, and I'm sorry in advance. I will make you nervous sometimes. It's my job, I think. <laughs> it's how I encourage you to kind of go past your comfort zone and into the kind of, you know, out of the boat and onto the water, so to speak. I'm going to tell you just a couple quick stories about how I got into ministry in, um, in university campuses. Uh, about 14, 15 years ago, started this, uh, this group called Christ on Campus, and the story of how it got going was just taking advantage of the opportunity that God had put before me in a business communications class. The teacher gave us homework. We had to choose five things that we could, we could talk about impromptu. I was to give her the list. She's going to pick one of the things, and then I talk about it. So I go home, and I'm like, okay, you know what? What am I going to do? I like Jesus, so Jesus is on the list. Now what? 
I like cars. I was making Christian t-shirts. I was making t-shirts. And then the Lord was just saying, like, Mark, you know she's not going to pick Jesus, for goodness sakes. Don't even give her an option. (laughs) So I realized I had an opportunity. And so my list then became Jesus, love, you know, heaven, hell, and the devil. And I could probably figure, I figured out that she'd most likely choose love. (laughs) It was at least the least offensive and controversial one on the list. And when I gave it to her, she just about died. She was like, what? What? Like, what are you doing to me? (laughs) Don't worry, it's going to be love, isn't it? She says, yeah, please come up and speak about love. (laughs) And then I gave him the gospel. And it was kind of crazy because it's not the love that the world loves with, it's the love that God loves with, and the two are completely different. And I told them about Jesus, and I told them about the cross, and I told them about, you know, I gave them the gospel. And the kids in the class, the students in the class were just like their jaws were on their desk. They didn't even know what hit them. (laughs) But I had an opportunity to preach, and I took it. But you know what the Lord did with that whole thing is what he did is he encouraged the other believers in that class who I had no idea who they were, And they came up afterwards, and they were like, dude, way to preach it, man. You know what? We should get a group together and do this thing on campus. And that's how Christ on Campus got started. And I think I've run that ministry for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years or so in Calgary and then also in PEI. In terms of taking advantage of opportunities, I like to take groups of kids, university, college age, whoever I'm allowed to take. (laughs) Might be your kids one day, too. (laughs) down and do some outreach, get them exposed to some lost people and just kind of, you know, get that experience of interacting with the gospel in real time. And what I mean by that is I get creative, okay? Sometimes we don't know for sure if we're allowed to do things, so sometimes I do them and I ask for forgiveness later. (laughs) But uh, we had a barbecue and we had a trailer and we had a truck and we had a bunch of willing people. So We went downtown Charlottetown this one time. We set up this barbecue. We got a couple hundred uh, burgers. All the kids chipped in. I say kids, but they're like (laughs) 20-year-olds. But I was like 30 at the time, so they're kids to me. We get all these burgers, and we we set up these tables, and we have what we call Burger Bun Bible Night. Downtown on the busiest corner where there's the most bars in all of Charlottetown. And we set up there at 10 o'clock, and we just begin handing out burgers, and people are just astounded that somebody's giving away something for free. And then we tell them that, yeah, we just want to share with you that Jesus loves you. And they're like, what? And then, what church are you from? And at the time, like, we're from all kinds of different churches. It's like, no, nah, man, we're like, you know, there's about a dozen different churches represented here right now, but we're representing Jesus. And they're like, this is amazing. You know, and, and they have a couple of drinks. They get really friendly, so there wasn't really any trouble of us getting beat up. But what did happen what was so funny, because we, we, there was football teams that would come down, they would be partying. I mean, we would serve a couple hundred people, burgers and Bibles. Like, Gideons loved us. <laughs> One of the managers from the restaurant came out, and he's like, dude, I have just got to figure out what's going on out here, because, like, for the last two hours, everybody that's been coming into my bar has got a burger in one hand and a Bible in the other, and I don't know what is going on. <laughs> Was everybody a little bit weirded out by that, you know, that going on the street and cooking a burger? Yeah, but you know what? It's burnt into their hearts now, and they know what it's like to share the gospel, to give, and to be out there, and I think it's important. So 
we, they just kept on, they wanted to do it every night, but I mean, I'm getting old and I can't stay up till three in the morning every week. Calm it down. So, yeah, verse eight. Therefore, he says, he ascended on high. He led captivity captive. He gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended to the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Okay, so here's your theological moment for the day. All right? I think. You can correct me on this later, elders. (laughs) We're all blessed by the grace of God that God has lavished upon us, and it's through the ministry of Jesus Christ. But we've got to understand this, that he, Jesus, laid aside his glory in heaven to take upon himself a body made in the likeness of sinful flesh. Okay? He didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he gladly laid that aside to come and to save us. And what he had to do was to take on sinful flesh. He made his home amongst us. He tabernacled among us until it was time that he laid down his life for us on the cross. And it is his righteous blood that purchased our salvation, and it is only because of his power over death that we can be presented to God holy and acceptable. And even now, he still ministers to us from his place in glory and gives us giftings and callings and compels our hearts to be like him and to have his heart in doing so. So if you ask yourself, what do I need to be, what kind of motivation do I need in order to to go out and to serve and to tell other people? You got to look at Jesus. You got to see this guy, like, look, let me just put it this way. No one's beneath cleaning toilets or above cleaning toilets. Nobody wants to be beneath no one's above cleaning toilets, okay? Because that's basically what Jesus did. He came down to the lowest parts of the earth, so to speak, amongst us, amongst people, amongst dirty, stinky, rude people. And he walked with them, and he loved them, and he even touched them, and ate with them. And then he bore a cross for them, and he ascended on high. And now he sits and he ministers to us, because now we are again his masterpiece out in the world doing the same thing. And we need to have that same heart and that same mind. Philippians 2 for a little cross-reference there, but for you for later. Going to continue to run down this and close this up here pretty quick. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. From whom the whole body being joint and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. If you ever want to know how God is supposed to encourage the body, it's through you and through the gifts he's given you. We're just simply to submit to that moving of the spirit and it's for the edification of the body, it's for the maturing of the body, it's for the proclamation of the gospel. We cannot all serve in every ministry, too. We have our own ministry. And we have our own capacity. 
and we have our own measure of faith that's been given to us. But the goal of every ministry is to build up and to strengthen the body and to help everyone grow and become mature in their knowledge of Jesus, his word, his love, and his ways. Now I'm going to kind of close this up. I'm going to bring this kind of pony back into the barn here. Because Dale asked me to share my heart. And I brought Kleenex because it could get messy. <laughs> okay. I only got like a little page left. I hope I can get through it because this truly is my heart. And I pray that it's the heart of God too. So be patient with me, first lesson. <laughs> my heart is really to equip you, your family, with the word of God in such a way that they're not only aware of God's will, but at the same time, they are profoundly aware of his grace. Because I think it's a balance, don't you? Grace and truth. I think it's a pretty important balance. I want your kids to be ready to face the firestorm of lies that are in the world. Shoot, there's a lot. There's a lot more out there than I remember. And I want them to be able to not only be ready for persecution because of their faith, but also to be able to embrace the persecution because of their faith. Because I think persecution is not something to run away from. It's something to just almost be proud of. <laughs> you can challenge me on that later if you want. But I don't want them to be afraid of it. It's a blessing. It shows that actually you're on the right page. One of my favorite preachers, Art Katz, he likes using language. And he says, if you're not facing persecution already, it's ipso facto, evidence already, that you're living beneath the kingdom level. Think about that for a second. Because we're not promised to be completely we're promised persecution. We're not promised to be exempt from it. Right? You're salt and you're light. We're supposed to have a certain savory to us. We're supposed to have a certain preservation to us. And really, God bless everyone out there who's trying to do that. And let us pray for them. Seriously. Faith is under fire, man. Right? And it's a time to come together, and it's a time to pray for one another, and it's a time to be gracious to a world that is hating on Jesus and his people. Amen? So my prayer is not only that they would learn how to walk uprightly in this present ungodly age, but they would also be compassionate, loving towards... <clears throat> towards those who are lost in it. We don't want to do harm by how hard we hit people with the Bible, okay? Truth is important, but so is grace. And remember grace, err on the side of grace, but don't forget truth. And we're all maturing into knowing exactly that balance, aren't we? I want your kids to be just, a mar just as much a part of this church I think this is part of the vision here the pastor shared with me too. As much of this body as I am and as, as you are. Because they have gifts too. They also have been called by the king to serve his saints. And we want to encourage that. Because you know what? God's going to touch the world through your kids if he's not doing it already. This is where I have to take a second. And I don't know why. It's probably all the coffee I drank this morning. 
But the future of this church is really with these kids. And it's our duty and it's our privilege to come alongside each and every single one of them and to help them develop their gifts so that everywhere they go, they will not only be blessed, but that they also will be a blessing. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come up, but I started this morning just talking about, yeah, come on up. I don't know if you had a song ready for afterwards or not, but um, started this morning with the importance of knowing just how loved you are, and that it starts off with prayer. So if the elders who are here with their wives wanted to stand up, maybe one go over there, one go over there, I just want you guys to be free to come and be ministered to to get a word of encouragement from the Lord, from your leadership, because you're loved. And if you need that word today, and if you need to know just again what it is that Christ has done and his motive behind it, I don't want you to leave here without having an opportunity to praise with somebody. And if you're going through stuff, in your life. Let's get another couple elders up here too, if you don't mind, Brad and your wife. I'm putting you on the spot, I know. <laughs> Come on up. Please do take advantage of this. This is body ministry. This is what they're here for. To pray with you, to direct you, to encourage you in the faith. This is their role. God has given them the grace to do this. And so what we really need to have is just a humility to come up and to walk with these guys, because they want to walk with you too. I always end my vlogs this way. I'm going to end out today too. I love you. Jesus loves you. And thank you for coming to church today. You guys want to play, pray, please do come on up. We're going to kind of close this way, and, and, and when we're done, maybe Pastor will uh, come up here and just kind of give us the last boot, and we'll be gone. But thanks again, guys. God bless you. Praise to the King of Kings. 
Struck wonder at the mention of. 